Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to this month's edition of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts, and also our final one for 2019. Um, I just want to take the opportunity right now before we close another year to say thank you so much for all the love and support um, that you've given us on this podcast. It kind of started as just a way to get to know people in the industry and share a little bit about travel and what we love so much about um, the luxury art world. And it's grown into this incredible uh, way to meet people and connect with other people doing amazing things. And it's not just in yachting, it's it might be in travel. We've had different people from different sectors of the industry. We've had some amazing trailblazers on here. Um, and I really, I can't thank enough um to you guys, the listeners, for being here every month, for following us, sharing the love, uh, sending it to friends to get them to listen to us, and of course, our guests that have just been incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And of course, another thank you to this month's uh, podcast guest. Um, Andrea Tagliaferro joined us um, earlier this month to discuss uh, a lot of her passion projects too. Um, She's the creator of Yacht Dame and Clever Traveler. She has literally not stopped um, working or grinding a day in her life. And it's just so apparent. She has this amazing personality. She's a hard worker, excellent at what she does. Um, I'm really excited for you to listen to her. Again, um, she is somebody who came into yachting and kind of wanted to give a voice to other women and what we're all trying to do here and just shed a little bit of light on experiences and also people at the top of their game regardless. So um, I'm really thankful to Andrea for joining us. I know it's been a busy couple months for everyone in this industry um, and travel alone. You know, you're coming to the end of the year. uh, You're trying to get all your trips booked for the winter. And of course, in yachting, it's major show season. So Uh, Thank you again to Andrea. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you don't subscribe already on iTunes or Google Play, please go give us some love on there. It's the best way to see new episodes and stay in touch with us. And of course, uh, send any comments to me, Rebecca at OceanscapeYachts.com. Suggestions, people you want to have on the show, um, and give us a follow on social media, again, at Oceanscape Yachts. So without further ado, here's Andrea. Uh, today we're here with Andrea Tagliaferro. Uh, she's the creator of Yacht Dame and The Clever Traveler. Um, I'm so thrilled that she could be on the phone with us today. We're actually in the same time zone for once. This hasn't happened on the podcast <laughs> in quite a while. Um, so Andrea, if you want to give a little bit of background to everyone, you have so many accolades to your name and what you do. I don't want to cloud anyone and I want you to just <laughs> take control. So let us know um, how you got into yachting really, how this all got started. Oh, God, that's already a, a story in itself. Okay, great. We like stories. Well, it's funny enough. Um, I'm an architect from Venezuela. When I arrived to the United States, I was told I'm, I'm not an architect here because you to actually work in your field in the United States, you have to have that graduated in the country. So either way. Um, I ended up doing a master's in interior design and then I always wanted to have my own firm. That was like not something that, oh, someday, no, it's like, no, after I graduate, this is what's happening. And in the States, I found that if while you're raising, while you're doing something and you want to, you know, like put money away, it's okay to have like odd jobs on the side. So it's like bartending. I don't have any skills. And then I was playing (laughs) rugby and the girl on my side says, I play, I I work on yachts and of course I'm like what does that what does that even mean how do yes. you have a full-time job cleaning a yacht so this just spiral into more questions into understanding what the hell does the yachting industry even mean 
And uh, she knew that I was very eager because I was just like, I had a focus and I had a course to create this architectural firm. And next day, literally next day, she's like on one of these pages to find yachts on Dockwalk, I think it was. Um, and she says, hey, there's a job. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> yes. I just know that you have to take off your shoes when you get to a boat. And that is the vocabulary I have to my name. And she says, you only have to be bilingual. It's the Miami Yacht Show. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I was, thankfully, I'm a morning person. So I probably answered minutes after it was posted. Right. I was like the first person to interview. The guy liked me. And then when I found out that the the captain was a Kiwi, I was like, ha I play, yeah, I play rugby. And that's how I got hired. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> Any way I could, every time I was in the yachting world, I did. So I get this job knowing nothing. We actually almost crashed the boat because the, guy, the captain kept screaming at me, defenders, defenders. I had no idea what a fender was. Okay. So, <laughs> you were really green, really new. I was green. Yeah. And I learned what green meant. And uh, so that they really liked me. They actually wanted me to become a yachty and have a career as, as crew, even though it was like, no, 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 this is a side thing. Um, they got me to their next boat show because they really liked me. They kept me instead of the other girl that had been like a seasoned stewardess for like 10 plus years. And oh, me, wow. the green girl, I was the one picked for the West Palm Beach show. And I get there and my captain, they're cha he's changing. Uh, they're transitioning into another job. I get a new one. And that person that I meet there, I stay, I tell everybody, never burn bridges. Even people are not good to you. Just like always be the bigger person. And this really helped me get into where I am now. And I'll say this because he was a captain. And then I ended up being like taking vacation off like architectural firm to work on a yacht. That's how I was a stewardess for like two weeks out of my life. Right. And learn what it was, you know, the ins and outs and the activities of being a crew, which helped me a lot because after I was on board as a crew, that boat got sold, like everything happens, got into a refit that was supposed to be two months, ended up being a five-year project. Wow. And wow. what interior designer did this captain know? Yeah. Personally, <laughs> me. And he saw that I was like super um, dedicated to the design world. So I got brought in to leave residential and commercial world to the yachting industry. So that's how I was, I was able to marry my years of studies and education into uh, the yachting world. And that's how everything after that, like just, it was more like, well, the more you're here, the more you meet people. Yeah. And like, then everything just took a normal toll. But yeah, it was very, uh, be right moment, right time and saying the right things. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And just your network grows. Like, do you still do that interior design side? Or has your other projects now, I assume they, they must be full time jobs in themselves, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was on, on board that project for four years, I actually left them uh, February last year. Um, and it's part of the reason when I, why I created Yacht Dame. I didn't really like the environment women had in shipbuilding and construction sites. And it was a daily thing for me that I was there completely alone. I loved what I did. I was just designing. I was actually good at it. I, I liked different people that I was meeting because in the job site, I would meet the engineers, the electricians. So constantly I was like networking with different aspects of yachting. So that was really fun. Yeah. And every day I had to prove myself that I actually had a brain and this is no joke. It, not the cliche, like, can you get me coffee, which I'm actually very bad at, 
but people like smiling at me sort of like flirtatiously. And then they would look at my screen and look at me back and say, Oh, you're actually smart. And I was like, not only do we have a master dude, okay. <laughs> that you're seeing it and using to build a yacht have my name on it because I'm the one drafting here. Yeah. So it's frustrating. People are like, that's fun you showed him no not when you have to prove yourself every day it gets really old yeah yeah um so that was the biggest thing I found that I was uh, alone when it came at least to the sector of of building in Florida um being the only woman not having a lot of women to actually like come together and have more of an understanding of this world and uh I know I'm stepping into the questions but that sort of inspired why that topic for Yacht Dame no I think that's fantastic because I think um, you know, we've probably been in the industry similar times. Like I started almost 10 years ago and it's, it's was so male dominated, like, and even years before that. And it still is in a lot of ways, but, um, I just love, like I, I said to you before we started recording that just through this podcast too, like we're meeting so many different women who are blazing these trails, you know, and it's a community, it's a place. And we had, um, Jenny Matthews of C, uh, she of the sea on last month. And it was also, she kind of said, it's not like a place where people, you know, complain or like say, oh, you know, this horrible thing happened to me. It's also just a place where you can be seen and be in a community where it's like, okay, they've probably been through the same things I have. Like, it's great to also see that they're like the top of their game in their industry. So I think it's fantastic what you're doing with Yacht Dame. And is that like, did it kind of start as a blog almost where you were just talking about your experience and trying to like connect with other women in yachting or what was your kind of goal when you created it? So when I created, well, actually one, I did have a selfish reason for creating Yacht Dame okay. and I'll tell you that so we could get it out of the way. Um, <laughs> when I went to Monaco last year, I was, I had just quit in February this job and then months later, you know, September-ish rolled in Monaco Yacht Show. And I was there, I'd been like telling them the yachting industry for a while, how social media and digital marketing was the way of the future. And everybody looked down at me, even, um, even a, ma- a yachting magazine said to me, why social media that has no value. And then it just like blew my mind coming from blogging about travel where your normal traveler, uh, travel blogger has a drone, a gimbal, like knows everything, the ins and outs about YouTubes and all these channels that now are ruling our lives. Yeah. To yachting industry where having um, a nice Instagram page, you were already on top of the game. It was just so surreal. So when I saw this, I was like, ha ha, I know all this from travel. I'm going to take these guys by storm. And then when I found out, it was like I was preaching to a choir that didn't exist. Um, it was it was really strange talking about a topic that I had to sell them on what why use Twitter instead of selling why use Twitter through me. Um, so that was really hard. So I thought and showing my travel account, which had reached the 12,000 followers, I was like, doesn't this even prove that even the Monica Yacha recognizes me as an influencer? But you guys do not. So in Monaco, I realized people here only understand if the word yacht is in it. So I was like, easy, yacht dame, let's just do this. And then that was just to prove that I actually had a grasp on digital marketing. And then after that, it was like, but what topic? I'm just not going to randomly repost stuff. And then I realized that there was something that people weren't talking about, which was the women in yachting. So that that's how that became. It didn't evolve organically like you were mentioning. Oh, if you start a blog and this. No, 
that could have been the clever traveler. I had no idea about social media when I started that. But when I started Yacht Dame, I had a focus. I knew how things had to look. I knew the feel. I knew that I knew how to develop a website already. So things were more of a, a list. Today, it's website. Tomorrow, logo. To this, this. Tomorrow, I'm connecting with networking. I'm not reaching out until I reach so many posts. So I had like a mechanical way of proving value and then started reaching out to people. And the topic hasn't actually changed. Uh, My audience is the yachting industry. I'm not trying to get people to join yachting, which is very different from someone who's a broker who wants to get people that have nothing to do with the industry to just buy this product. Right. You guys are my audience. And I just want to tell you guys of what other people in our industry are doing and highlight women. It's not a feminist page, and that's why it's not pink. Yeah. Not supposed to be cutesy or anything. Yeah. <laughs> of our industry are male, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like 90% or even more of it's male. So why am I not getting them to help us and shutting them away? Males are the ones that have helped me in my career because those are the only ones that have been around. Yeah. So that was my whole way of seeing it. It's not a feminist page at all. It's just a place where I want to show, hey, by the way, did you know this other woman that's also amazing? Yeah. And it's kind of like you say, uh, methodical, like you realize there's a pain point and you had a solution of how you can fix it. And that's kind of how it was born. And I think it's great. It's it's the same as we've been hearing time and again, too. It, it You don't want to be at like war with the men or like make an enemy of people, but it's more so like a place where women can also shine, right? Like you're highlighting these amazing people that are changing. It just happens that, you know, it's women and it's an outlet where we can actually focus on, on women of it. Like, you know, um, Jenny again was saying she started on deck. She had her, you know, she got her first certificate to be a chief officer and there were like no women on deck. So she said, that can't be right. You know, is that true that there's no other women? So it was also a way to see, who else is out there and, and what are they doing? Cause maybe we're not getting the spotlight in other traditional outlets. And it's so interesting what you say about yachting and social media. And I think that's something that we've really focused on too, because it's also one of the industries with some of the best photographs and like amazing content. It could build this huge empire of networks of people. Um, and I think we're seeing that a lot more too with crew who have like started side projects of, you know, YouTube channels or social media pages because they have access to this amazing content that we just can't get for the average person. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that we are within a very uh, secretive, not even secluded, also secretive uh, industry. If you don't know about us, you we're not even inviting you in. We don't want you here. It's already a very small pond and we and then we're all sharks in it. Yeah. So these people, these audiences are going to like far off destinations that even a great company, I just don't want to mention, an expedition company was telling me about it, that they were even creating permits in certain islands to even be there. So no one had ever touched them and they are creating these spaces, these adventures, and they get access to, like you were saying, all this content that nobody else has access to, but They weren't using social media. They were only interested in, of course, keeping the client happy, but no one else on the world knew that you can see these things, experience these activities. Um, So, yes, we do have uh, an advantage that our industry is actually sexy. Yeah. People want about it. It's very different if I said, if I wanted to actually uh, um, uh, impress the person next to me at a bar, I would say I was a rugby player. If I wanted to impress them in business, I would say I was an 
interior design in yachting. If I didn't want to talk to you, I dropped the yachting part. Yeah. The moment you drop the word yachting, people turn their heads, which was very interesting because an interior designer in residential can crank out so many more projects than someone in yachting because we don't build that many yachts. There's a lot more, you know, developments home-wise. But the moment you, you said that, it just people turned their heads. So you have this advantage that even people outside of their community want to know about us. Um, that's very rare when it comes to even social media content and topics. Yeah, it's an intriguing thing. And I think you know that the consumers are out there. They want to consume what you're putting out. So I think you put yourself in a really powerful position to say, like, yeah, how are we not using this? It is shocking, actually. And in some ways, somebody else said um, to me recently, like, we're still very behind. It's almost like we're 20 years behind every other industry, which makes no sense because it's also such a multi-billion dollar industry that it should be ahead of the curve instead of lagging. But it's, we're all still kind of learning about it in a way, I guess. But for Clever Traveler, were you doing that alongside like your interior design thing? Or was that when you moved like to America and just thought you'd, you know, do some travel and start this blog, even though, like you say, it's thriving, it has so many followers and, and people interested now? So the Clever Traveler came about because I was finally um, I was finally in a stable job. Like right after you're an immigrant, you're like always hustling for like, what is, how am I going to stay here? What do I actually want to do when I actually stay in this country? And I was finally able to have this uh, job that I was, that I could have as long as I wanted it, which was a refit, uh, just designing uh, a yacht in Florida. And at that moment, like your little ambitious monkey inside, like starts screaming and it's like, now what's next? What's next? And that's when I said, okay, what's something that no one can get away with? This is after, of course, you go through that, like, what can I buy? Let's go to the mall. What am I missing? <laughs> and uh, I decided that um, the experiences that no one can ever give, uh, take away from me um, are the ones that are the most valuable. And I never got over traveling to Egypt when I was 15. Um, so I, since a young age, realized that it was the fastest way you can get culture or not even culture, like get out of your comfort zone was to go to a different, to a different environment. And so then I decided like, what's my budget? And I would log like 10 cents for parking here, uh, five for wine. So I would never go out during the week. I rented out my apartment even when I was living in the city and would crash at friends, couches, my parents, just so I would never touch my, uh, touch my budget. And uh, I never had to use any extra help. I was living and supporting myself. So I was very aware and very scared of losing money. So that's when I was like, how can I do this without touching my budget? Right. Um, um, and yeah, and the whole thing that it was like, I never had a paid vacation day or even a paid sick day. So that was like, okay, how can we like, this is my equation. How do we make this happen? And I was working as a full time, but as a subcontract. So in reality, they were my clients, not my employers. Mm -hmm. So what I made sure was during the week, I would work at least 40 or 45 hours. So if I knew that I had a trip, I would start working 10 hours a day for a, a long period. So I knew that if I only took off and I did a long weekend, it wouldn't hurt me. Right. 
And a lot of people, if you don't know when they're on vacation, yeah, you can go and you get paid for the day. Yeah, that's awesome. But what about eating while you're on vacation? So the whole thing became very like, where are my friends around the world? Where can I stay for free and how I can map it? But I, my freedom was so, so big because I was traveling alone that I would look at the globe and be like, where, what's next? Like, it's just, I don't know, it's very liberal to even think of the world, like just grab a globe, spin it around and be like, here, no, not really. But you're making all the decisions. And every time people ask me, how do you travel alone? I was like, it's the easiest and the best thing ever. <laughs> you don't have to ask, come on, even if you have a boyfriend or a best friend, you tell them, hey, I have this week off. And then it starts like, no, I don't want to go to Machu Picchu. I want to go to Paris. I want to do this. I only have so many times. And then when you get there, then there's a whole other uh, set of things come about some, from... I only like going to museums. I only like partying. I'm here to actually get drunk. I'm only here to explore the culture. So I'm, I'm really one of those people that says travel alone. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I often say that actually it's liberating. It can be scary. And then the first time you do it, it's like, I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. You're not on someone else's schedule or they might have a bunch of stops you don't care to see. It's no like compromise. It's It can be very freeing, like you say. And then you just use this outlet as a way to like showcase where you've been and provide people with trips. I mean, it's a beautiful website. It draws you right in. So it makes me want to start daydreaming too. Um, has that evolved over time? Like it's kind of a way to document your own travels too. Thank you. Actually the travel blogging only came about because people started asking me like friends. I was like, Oh my God, let's go have a coffee to talk about Iceland. Let's have a coffee to talk about Russia. And then it was like, this is our too many coffees. I'm not even a coffee fan. Right. So I thought the only way to actually tell a story now is through social media networks. And that's how the blog came about. The blog came about as a result of people asking me what I was already doing, nothing else. And then I realized that because of how I travel, it was easy to document because I was already documenting in the sense that before social media and before the clever traveler, you will not find any pictures of me because I never shared my life. That's just not who I was brought up to be growing up in a very dangerous country as Venezuela is. You don't post because then you're afraid of kidnapping and people knowing where you are and who you are. So I had to go and dive in into Instagram and literally was like, what do people post on it? Why do people care? Like that was not, not even having the experience. Now it's more like, what do I document and how do I showcase it to people? So people actually want to keep reading. That's how it came about. Also, I'm the kind of traveler that likes doing spreadsheets. So before I would land in Russia, I knew that the coffee around the corner opens from nine to 11. That's great because I will leave the cathedral at uh, 10 30, stuff like that. Okay. Wow. People don't, Very organized. People, <laughs> people don't obsess about it because they're just like, Oh, I just stay there and just go. And I had a hard uh, experience in, in China when I came back and told everybody my experience. And they said, Oh my God, did you walk one block and you would have seen this amazing thing? And I was like, no, I didn't because I didn't research it. I had no idea that was there. <laughs> yeah. So FOMO was real in me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good and bad, I guess, right? Like you're making the most use of your time, but then, yeah, those little things that I guess can pop up, but wow, that's very organized. So that's great when you're like reporting back almost now, right? Like if you're trying to advise people or give tips on things, it's already kind of part of who you are and how you travel. 
Yeah, it's like, give me a second. It was like, how much would it cost? Because people love saying this. How much would it cost me if I wanted to do Europe in five days? And I was like, give me a second. Let me see. Because okay. I, after my trip, I would go even to the banana that I bought next to the subway. It cost me like three euros. Because I really went into budgets because I didn't have anyone to fall back on. So I needed to know in reality if this trip take is, I can do it in $2,000, $10,000, how much is it really? And that's how I did it. Yeah. And after I do all the, this research, it's more so when the moment I land, I know what I can do. doesn't mean I do everything, but it knows like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the landscape. And now we do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. No, uh, no big surprises, especially like you say, you know, supporting yourself and, trying to take minimal time off work maybe or whatever it may be. You want to make the most use of that time and not be paying for it later. I think that's the trouble a lot of people get in when they start traveling. I know. And, and I know you will cut this one, but I will tell you like Machu Picchu is a place that I've wanted to go for a long time. And I living in Florida, I had the airlines and everything like mapped out. I knew how long it would take me from the bus from this to like the city in between and so forth. I never actually did it, even though I had the dates. Because through my research, I learned that at least I needed, it was like 36 hours for my body to acc acclimate. Right. So, I, so it was like I was risking going there on a tight time frame and then not having being able to enjoy it because I didn't account for body state, uh, stabilizing. So I also had to like even think like when I would travel, if it's to the north where you're in Canada, it was like, do I have the lotion for my face, because last time I was dog sledding, my face broke out in rashes because I never thought of like changing temperature. Uh, yeah, windburn. Weather it's face. real. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's a yeah. real thing. Okay, That's a very good point, that that. No, no, like I like that because it actually leads into the next one because, you know, you've just dropped a whole bunch of countries too and people love tuning into this for like tips on where to go. And even though it's a yachting podcast, it doesn't need to be yachting related. Like, do you have any it can be, you know, a place you've already been or maybe one that's on your list, like a place that you love to go and could really recommend um, listeners heading over to? Well, funny enough. If you can pick one. I, I go back to one that people don't find that interesting, but I enjoy it so much that I actually, right after the Monaco Yacht Show, I made sure I, because yeah, I could pick my layover anywhere, right? Right. I picked my layover to be Dublin because it's just a place that you can walk in and connect instantly. It's it's just there's no real like transition you have to go through. Yeah, it's not very clicky actually or anything. enjoy it. Yeah. For example, like if you, I love Stockholm, I love Copenhagen, and I'm, I'm it, it sounds very cliche, but I love big cities that offer uh, different cultures and a, and a mix of races within the city. Right. So I recommend that Copenhagen a lot of times. Oh, Iceland, you must go. It's a must-see for city people and for uh, people that actually like nature. It's also an easy one to enjoy. Okay. And that's so one that's totally. like people still aren't flocking to, right? So probably when you go, it's not swarming with tourists yet. And well, yes. When I went, I think I went there was two years ago or three years ago now. And already you had tourists. It wasn't like going to Disney, but I'm sure at this point, I'm hoping the trend had stopped a little bit because you were just starting to see like huge uh, multi-change hotels rising. Right. So you were like, oh, it's going to go that route. But yeah. because, for me, 
I don't like traveling to places that have never been touched because you have zero infrastructure. Yeah. And I have had friends that, of course, now because of the travel blogging, that are travel bloggers and they have had serious like health issues in the middle of China, couldn't like talk to the to the doctors or anything because they ate something that was gluten, but they couldn't read the menu. Right. Yeah. And then you can't communicate what's wrong necessarily if nobody around you speaks English, which we take for granted in big cities. So yeah, that's a good point, actually. In Russia, I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat in Russia where you would be like, oh, my God, but did you experience local food? No. I only experienced the things that were ready for foreigners because I couldn't dissect what was in the menu of ingredients and I couldn't afford ruining a trip. If it's a five-day trip, that's a very short time to recover from an illness. Yeah, true. I'm very cautious. You're not going to see me running in London when it's raining because I know I only have two more days to enjoy it. Okay. So you're very smart about not getting ill. And and do you have food at like I have food allergies. I think it's just the way the world's going. Is that why you're careful when you travel as well? Or it's just that it could have something really random in it that you don't know and don't know. Now, I, I have gluten allergies. Like I did a, uh, a long, a three-day trip only to Paris. And I had no croissants because I knew I only had three days. Yeah. And, and, my, and your body actually goes through certain issues when you're in the cabin pressure. So, again, I just couldn't afford to experience those things. And I was like, okay, I won't eat the food, but I can do everything else. Yeah. So yeah, I have allergies. Yeah. And it's, um, it's funny because I've been vegetarian for years and then not, and I'm vegetarian again. And every question I get is like, when you travel, you don't get to like taste the food. And I think that it's so a big part of it for some people, but like you're saying, you can experience it. You just don't have to eat that thing or whatever it is like to each their own. You know, I don't feel like I've missed out. I've, been lucky to travel around the world quite a bit and not eating meat has not really put a damper on any of that I don't think so it's it's a good point and I think people are aware of it like everyone has intolerances now or an allergy and you got to be really careful so why risk it like you said yeah so that that's also the nature of the clever traveler so I thought there's so many travel blogs out there how does mine distinguish itself and I found that my OCD and over preparedness <laughs> was actually a little bit different for people because of if I had allergies or other things, like you'll see me cleaning out the bathroom in the in the airplane, my seat, the whole thing. Like like I am actually not OCD, but it's again like, do I want to get a germ right before I land in India and then screw my vacation? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's everything's so heightened when you travel too, right? Like you're already compressed in this plane full of germs, so you might as well do as much as you can to avoid it. People. And, and that, for me, was the whole purpose of the Clever Travel. It was pretty much preparing your mind and body to absorb the travel experience. Whatever it is that you wanted to do, but I won't tell you, go to Machu Picchu and not train for a month just walking or hiking on the, on the escalator in your normal gym. Yeah. Just why do you want to go put yourself through that physical endurance when you're not really ready for it? That's what I mean. It's, yeah. It sounds very logical and simple, but that was the clever traveler. It's a great okay. idea because I think you're right. There are so many blogs out there and, you know, you can only read so many people's experience in Paris or something. But if you're going to give real details, that's the other thing, right? We're often like oversold, especially in yachting. I find it's like, you know, take this charter for like 40 grand for the week, but then there's all these extras or they don't explain things thoroughly. So in 
you know, even in a simple blog, it could be the same thing. Like, oh, this hotel stays only this much. Oh, plus city tax, plus this, like, plus if you want Wi-Fi. It's so it's nice to have someone who's like done all that groundwork for you and delivers it in a nice, neat package. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I'm sure that's why you have such a big following because it's something people need and want to hear about. Yeah, I started um, seeing which post and articles had the most um, most saved on people, and those and the words, sorry, and and it was the posts that were uh, structured in lists. For example, if you're in Iceland, pack this, this, this. The other one would be about I don't know food. If you're in Iceland, eat this, this, this. And same with the Monaco Yacht Show. It would be like if you're going for business, you have to stay in the city. If you're going and you're, or if you're going to the show, but you don't have to go to the private events to actually meet with people and actually network for business, you can stay in Nice. So it, it goes into that. Like, I wish last year someone told me how many heels were in Monaco. I would have, I would have brought proper shoes for it. Yeah. So there are certain things that actually were not like, oh, it screwed your vacation. No, it actually screwed my ROI. Because if I had been faster on the hills, I would have been able to see more people and gone to more events. So this is actually a business side of it, not just like, oh, I could have been pretty in the picture. You can Photoshop the feet out. Right. Like, <laughs> the practicalities of it. Yes. I totally see where you're coming from on that. And if you, um, I, you have quite a few different hats, actually. So if you weren't doing you know, Yacht Dame, Clever Traveler, you're obviously having to like marketing social media. Is there something else you kind of thought you'd be doing or, you know, maybe in 10 years you'll give this up and, and do something else? You seem like you're kind of, I don't, you, it wouldn't surprise me if you like rebranded in a whole new way in like five years. So. <laughs> I actually, I've rebranded myself so many times that I'll say this, I'm not afraid of it. Okay. I love when people are afraid of change and I always see it in the sense from even relocating to switching jobs, you can always come back. Yeah. Like no one's telling you no. So to answer your question, I've thought of it. I'm really, really happy right now diving into what it is, not only producing content uh, here uh, for Vayner speakers, um, uh, but also the back end of producing content. Like I was able to understand that on the Clever Traveler, like if I do this, it will get reposted and reshared. I will meet these amount of I will get this reach. I will influence these kind of people, right? So there's a metrics and uh, like algorithms behind the pretty things that we post. So that still fascinates me. And I really hope I don't get bored of it. But if I do what I have think thought of has been the same hat, but more in a business and strategy phase. Like before I was here full time at Vayner Speakers, I was coming in doing strategies for yacht clients, like uh, yacht companies. Okay. And then leaving, like teaching them how to, pro to, to roll out the strategy and then keep going. So that's really interesting to me because it's really fun. You go in, you solve a problem, you go. Yeah. And it's always changing, right? If you had someone else, you can solve it for them. So you wouldn't get bored if you're looking for the next challenge. Exactly. Because this landscape, it's not new social media, but every day it ramps up even faster and faster. This is something I didn't like with yachting or yacht building because to create, you know, to evolve building yachts, you had to wait till to see, okay, let's see how this one does. Like, let's wait a year or two years. Here in social media, okay, this not, this didn't have the effect we wanted. Let's do another route. Like, you can really quickly yeah. keep changing strategies and see and understand, and understand your niche. In yachting and building, it just takes so long for change. And that's how, why I feel 
that in the yachting industry, we're not moving as fast as, you know, as the tech world or even this in the mar- digital marketing world, because yeah. you have to wait for product to be tested and then you actually evolve. Yeah. Meanwhile, everything here is changing. You know, I went to a social media conference uh, last year, or the year before in California, and literally from the time we went to it to like a month later follow-up kind of thing, it was like, okay, so these things we talked about have already changed. You know, like how you target people, how you interact with people, the algorithms change. So it's something that, yeah, you have to be on your toes with. Um, and that can be really exciting. Like you say, like you're thriving on that. Yeah. And right now, uh, looking at what's happening in the social media world for the yachting, um, for our yachting and our yacht influencers, I see so many things that haven't happened. They will happen. And it's, it's very exciting to like keep note. And that's why I love recommending people like Corinne and people like Lauren Khan and almost all the people that I have on, on yacht things. I love recommending them because they're actually seeing not only the big picture, they keep learning and reading and reading. And you see them even on their personal uh, rebranding, how fast they're actually looking. And they're always being sponges and learning. Um, uh, So that is really fascinating to me, how things actually just keep moving and moving and moving. And in yachting, we haven't even caught up to what happened in the rest of the world, yes. technology-wise, like three years ago. Yeah. And I'm already thinking of what Gary Vaynerchuk said and was like, okay, they're not there yet, but this is already affecting them and they don't even know it. So that's really fun. Yeah. it And like you say, it's always going to be changing and you know you'll have opportunity there because <laughs> there's a lot of catching up to do. So that makes it really exciting too. Um, and before I forget, yeah, where can everyone find you? Because you have a few different websites and social handles. So please let us know. Um, uh, so if you want to find me, LinkedIn is the best bet because it's just my first and last name, Andrea Tagliaferro. Under there, you'll always see the umbrellas that I, they're continuing with me. You'll see Taglia, which is the company that I use to create strategies for other people. You'll see the link to Yacht Dame and to the Clever Traveler. So I think that would be the best bet to actually reach out to anything you want. And I do try, at least on the bios of Instagram, to add the handles for the other accounts, just so you're always in the loop. That okay. would be the best way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because we'll, um, when we do a post about this, we'll definitely be tagging you. So you'll see it, and then we can get those reshares going. This is how it all works. And then, uh, yeah, I'm excited oh, for, sure. for everyone to hear it. Um, thank you, Andrea. I can't thank you enough. I know scheduling was a little bit tough here and there, um, our schedules to align. So I'm so happy that it worked out. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. I was very, very flattered. So flattered. So thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to see the world differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.